All right, this is Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Catherine. Let's pray. Lord, um, as we just sang, uh, we need your eyes uh, to be our vision. Um, we need your mind uh, to be our wisdom. Uh, and Lord, if I'm honest, uh, many days uh, my eyes and my mind are tethered to other things uh, other than you. And so I pray for myself, I pray for my friends here as we lean into your word uh, that you would be just that, uh, be our wisdom this morning. Uh, may this not be rules uh, or religion, uh, but really stepping into the depth of our relationship with you, uh, who is wisdom. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, have a seat. So we have uh, departed from Exodus, and we're starting a new series this week uh, in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, primarily uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, uh, not exclusively, but primarily in those two books. And um, I'd love for you to think of it in a certain way. Um, I don't know if any of you had the privilege of going away uh, to a summer camp when you were uh, as a kid. But oftentimes summer camp, you go in a certain way and you come out of summer camp a different way because of all that you experienced while being at camp. Uh, my hope is, is that as we camp out here in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and in the wisdom literature, uh, that this will literally be like uh, summer school for us, which I know <laughs> carries such a horrible connotation, right? Come to summer school. Uh, but summertime oftentimes is a time where we can kind of just mentally check out. We can kind of mentally coast. And my prayer for us, my encouragement to us, my, my challenge to you, my charge to you, um, is that, uh, that you wouldn't do that, that you would really lean in uh, this summer and believe that our time in this wisdom literature not only... Um, our hope would be that you would actually become wiser uh, this summer, uh, but ultimately you would become much closer to him who is wisdom. And that's our desire. It's our desire for everyone here at Midtown. Uh, we, we use the word maturity a lot in Midtown. It's another word for wisdom. It's a synonym for wisdom. Somebody who's wise is somebody who's mature. And we desire for you to be spiritually mature, which we refer to as your relationship with the Lord, uh, emotionally mature, your relationship to yourself. Uh, relationally mature, your relationship to one another uh, and to the community that you find yourself in. And then socially mature, relationship to the world around you. Uh, and to be all of those things, right? We need wisdom. We actually need wisdom to be mature in all of those areas of our life. Uh, because life, and in all of those areas that I just described, life is full of choices, isn't it? Like, I want you to think about, just for a second, how many minutes of every single day 
is spent trying to make decisions, to try to decide maybe between something that's right and something that's wrong, or maybe between something that's good and something that's best. But life is full of choices. Most of the meetings I have even with people, most of the conflicts I hear about, most of the worry that I hear about, it all centers around, do I have the wisdom? Do I have what it takes to make the decisions and face the things that are in front of me? We know that Scripture says it's really true and, and, and it is true that God is sovereign, but I also have free will and I'm free to make choices. And do I have the wisdom to make those decisions, to navigate my life? So four things that I want us to consider just as we kind of shove off into this wisdom journey uh, together through the passage uh, that Catherine just read for us. The first is this, um, our need for wisdom. And what is it? Okay? Point one. Point two, uh, the path of wisdom. And especially we're going to talk about fear. Why is fear a pathway to wisdom? Okay? It's the gateway. So our need for wisdom, the path to wisdom, the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, is what Proverbs says, and then wisdom's rhythms, okay? Our need for wisdom, the path to wisdom, the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom's rhythms. All right, first thing, our need for wisdom. The very beginning of this book, Proverbs comes right out the gate and states something very important and crucial, and that's this. We need wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, understanding and words of insight, receiving, gaining and receiving, right out the gate. Proverbs is saying, I want you to operate from this premise that you don't have what you need naturally. You have to gain it and you have to receive it. It means that the listener is in a position right out the gate of need and of lack. The Bible calls that, and we won't go to all the places that it calls that, but the Bible says that our natural state is folly, that our natural state isn't wisdom. It's to be a fool, and it's to be full of folly. Why that's important to understand is, is that just knowing ourselves better, which is what we can spend a lot of time and energy trying to understand, knowledge of ourself, knowledge of our temperament, knowledge of our personality, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not enough. It falls short. Calvin uh, wrote famously in his institutes that knowledge of self was very important, but absent from knowledge of God, we will not have the wisdom that we need to live this life. The listener right out the gate is being put in a position of need and of lack. I need understanding. I need instruction on what is right and what is just and what is fair. I need prudence. I need discretion. I need discernment. I need wisdom. Why do you think that in describing 
wisdom, the author of Proverbs doesn't just say right out the gate, instruction on what is right and what is wrong. Why, why this giant cluster of synonyms, insight and prudence and discretion and discernment? Well, the truth is, is because, and I think maybe we all know this, but wisdom isn't less than what's right and wrong. It's actually more than what's right and wrong. It's not just knowledge. It's not just rules. It's more than that. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. It's the capacity or the ability to apply the truth in the circumstances that vary that we find ourselves throughout our lives. It's nuanced, right? It's not always black and white, what's wise to do in a certain circumstance. Sometimes it's wise to say something and to speak up. And sometimes it's wise to hold your tongue, right? Everybody's found themselves in that situation before. Sometimes I need to say something because that's what would be appropriate and wise to do here. And sometimes, no, 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 now's not the time. I'm throwing pearls to pigs is what Scripture would say in that moment. Let's look at a few of these words here. Insight. What, what does insight mean? If you study all these words in their original languages, insight means seeing beyond the surface of what's going on to the truth that's underneath that. A good way of imagining this ourselves into this, if you've seen um, Sherlock or even the, uh, the Sherlock Holmes films with Robert Downey Jr., you know how he's in a scenario and it goes into like freeze frame and he's imagining all of the different scenarios before they all occur, right? He's the detective that shows up on the crime scene and there's 10 other detectives that are already there and they're all like, hmm. And what does he have the ability to do? He has the ability to look at all of the details of what's going on and understand underneath that the truth of what has occurred. That's insight. How about prudence? That's not a word we use a whole lot, right? I, I was joking with Jonathan. I think of the word prude, like somebody who's kind of, huh, you know, self-righteous and thinks they're right all the time. Well, prudence, this doesn't mean to be stuck up. What it means is to be shrewd. It means to be able to discern the pathways to success in any given situation. That's what prudence means. I'm deeply shrewd, and I can see and understand what's, what's the best way to get a win in this moment. How about discretion? That word, biblically, what that word means is to have deep character in how you make decisions. It's a term of integrity. I've got deep integrity. The very word for wisdom used here at the, at the beginning in, in verse 2 is the same word in Exodus that's used for the skilled artists who were set free in their skill to build the tabernacle with their skill and how the Lord had led them to do so. You see what the author's doing here? He's saying it's not just one of these things. Wisdom is all of these things and many more. It's a cocktail. It's, <laughs> I don't want to call it the Long Island iced tea, but I'm going to. It's all of these things shaken together. Makes one wise. I think when I, when I say those things or I read those things as definitions, I think those are all things that we lean in and we say, man, 
I would love those things to be marks of my life. I desire those things to be true about me. I think what we'll find out as we go through this book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, uh, the definition or our source of wisdom, the place where wisdom comes from, and our definitions for what is wisdom oftentimes differ from what the Lord says. That much of the wisdom and the counsel that I seek out in my life comes from me looking for the support for the things that I already think, I already believe are true. Rather than beginning from this position that Proverbs is talking about, which is I start from this position of true need, of true lack, of true humility. I, I don't have it. It's outside of me, and I need I need it to be brought to me. I need wisdom. Why is that important? Yeah, you guys, I hope you have your thinking hats on because we, we are going this morning, okay? Why is it important that we start from that position of, man, I, I lack and I need? Because when, when I acknowledge that, it puts us, it puts me, it puts you at a crossroads of vulnerability and dependence, doesn't it? It puts me at a place, when I acknowledge that I lack or I have a need, it puts me at a place of vulnerability, it puts me at a place of dependence. And when I'm vulnerable and I'm dependent, guess what I am? Afraid. It awakens fear in me. And it puts us at a crossroads What's going to address the fear in my life? What's going to be wisdom that's going to speak to and address the fear that I'm feeling because I'm aware of the lack that I have, the need that I have? It puts us at a place of a decision, a choice, and we need wisdom for choices, right? Now, if you are familiar with your Bible, the Bible actually opens with a decision in many ways, a choice. What occurred in the garden where Satan, what did Satan do in the garden? He deceitfully tempted Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Sounds like a smart thing to do, right? You need the knowledge of good and evil. That initial temptation was I want you to respond. I'm actually going to seed your mind with the possibility that you lack something, a perceived lack. And it was actually a lack that the Lord wanted them to have. It wasn't something that the Lord wanted them to eat from. But Satan came in and he, he created this perceived lack. I want you to be afraid of the Lord in the wrong ways, because we're going to talk about what does it mean to fear the Lord in the right ways. I want you to be afraid of the Lord in the wrong way. I want you to be afraid that he's holding out on something that you need. I want you to be afraid that he's not good. And here's how I want you to deal with that fear, Adam and Eve. I want you to eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. That's what's going to answer and deal with that fear. And the promise came with that deception. If I eat from the knowledge of good and evil, then I will actually be like God. You know the irony there 
is, is that they were already like God. They were made in his image. They were the crowning act of creation. They were the ones who bore his image like nothing else and he created. They were already like him. They were never meant to be him. And what was the result of gaining the knowledge of good and evil? Not confidence, but fear. They realized that they were naked and afraid. It was the first episode of Naked and Afraid, right? They didn't come up with that show. <laughs> That's a weird show, by the way. <laughs> naked and afraid. The fear that comes from fearing the Lord in the wrong way and trying to be the Lord or put something else like the knowledge of good and evil in the place of the Lord in my life. They gained knowledge and they lost everything. They lost Eden. So we need wisdom. <laughs> we desperately need it. We, we approach this the summer and we approach the Lord from a place of I, I'm absolutely lacking. And I know that that lack makes me afraid. And so I'm going to suggest this, that fear is actually... Point two, the path to wisdom. <laughs> like I think for most of us, when we think of fear, we can only think of it in terms of negative, right? Everything in our life is organized around trying to eliminate fear and, and accentuate comfort, I guess, probably. But eliminate fear. Now, I'm going to encourage a second thing. We, we, we need wisdom. The path to wisdom actually has to do with us Understanding where do we go with our fear, not eliminate it. So that should surprise you. If you were paying attention to what we read, does it surprise you that fear isn't a bad thing in here? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's a good thing, right? But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fear isn't a bad thing in here. But much of our lives, and even our pursuit of knowledge, our pursuit of, and I'm going to put it in quotes, wisdom, is in order to deal with our fears, eliminate our fears, right? Through some method, through some technique, through some self-healing, through self-knowledge. I'm, I'm going to understand enough so I can control things or master things or be self-sufficient. Sometimes I even believe in the church that what we've begun to believe, we've, we've, we've been deceived to believe that the goal of becoming mature, the goal of wisdom is learning enough or discovering enough to be at the place where I don't need anybody anymore and especially not God. Like that's God's goal for my life is to get out of a place of needing him. We've, we've turned church into that sometimes. I just want to, be, want to know enough, have enough, think rightly enough, have good enough theology so that I don't need Jesus. Fear isn't a bad thing. But where we go with it, and what it does with us, and where we take it is what's important. Write down 1 John 
4, 8. You can spend some time meditating on this verse this week if you want. And trust me, if you don't go away and think about what we're talking about beyond what we're going to talk about on these mornings, this is not going to be much more than just moral tips for you. you, you it will not birth wisdom in your life. The, this, the Proverbs, I've heard it said, are like hard candy. Okay, you, you don't want to bite down too hard too quick or you'll chip a tooth. You've got to actually let it dissolve. 1 John 4, 8 says this, his, so a person, right? Not knowledge, not rules. His perfect love casts out fear. I come into his perfect love and it deals with my fear. One thing that that's saying is this, that I'm not made to live in a perpetual state of fear, but it's also saying this, that fear and my acknowledgement of fear is the pathway to stepping into his perfect love. We can't miss that. If I'm never afraid, is everybody following with me? If I'm never afraid, then I'm saying I have no need of God's love to deal with my fear. It's very simple. It's very subtle. But being afraid isn't the problem. It's who or what am I afraid of? Where am I going with my fear? I think if you study your fears, I, I would, I would, I'd wager money on this that most of us are taking our fears to whatever we believe is going to love us well enough to deal with our fear. And Scripture saying here, His perfect love is what casts out fear. So stop for a second with me and ask yourself this question, where do you go when you're afraid? Or do you even acknowledge that you are afraid? Like many of us, I, I'm... <laughs> Sometimes I just struggle to get to the place to admit I'm afraid. And as a result, my fear, it, it kind of flares out in other ways. Like, and again, you're going to have to spend some time meditating on what I'm about to say. Sarcasm. A lot of times if I pull up sarcasm, what I'll find at the bottom of all my sarcasm is fear. Or bragging. Or worry. Or comparison, or envy. There's a proverb that talks about how much of our hard work simply stems from our envy of one another. So I can be very industrious and working hard, and it's coming from envy, which is really all about my fear. Performance, busyness, drink, TV and distraction, fear can take on many forms. And a lot of those, those things, are, are, they're the, the easy, low-hanging fruit, the easy pickings. <laughs> but I think if we grab a hold of those and we actually pull them down and we study them, oftentimes what we'll find way underneath that is, is I'm afraid. And we all go somewhere with our fears, which is, is natural, it's good. The question is, to whom? When fear comes knocking at the door, <laughs> what would it look like 
instead of me trying to deal with that in my own strength or my own wisdom or get rid of that through some of the things that I suggested, what would it look like to welcome it in and bring it to the Lord? (laughs) To bring it to his truth, to bring it to his promises, to bring it to his words, to bring it to his cross, to bring it to him. Because Proverbs is saying the path to wisdom has to do not with not being afraid, but where do we go with our fear? Who do we fear? Even if you look at Solomon's life, you know, it says there, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Go look in 1 Kings 3 when Solomon was being coronated king of Israel. Uh, it's, a, it's a vivid description of a man who was very, very afraid. He says this, Now, Lord, you've made your servant king of my palace and my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among your people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count. So give your ser- servant a discerning heart to govern your people and who can distinguish between what's right and wrong for who is able, who is able to govern this great people of yours. What is he saying? I'm afraid. All of these proverbs of Solomon, son of David, all of these proverbs, everything we're about to study has an underlying foundation that Solomon claimed himself, and that's this. When I was afraid and I did not know what to do, when I realized I had a lack to do the things that the Lord was calling me to do, the baseline of my wisdom was this, the fear of the Lord. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to go first to the Lord, and my fear isn't the enemy. My fear is the vehicle (laughs) that drives me, brings me to him. So let's talk for a second about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we've acknowledged we have a need for wisdom. We have a lack. (laughs) That lack awakens fear. Fear isn't bad. Fear actually puts me at a crossroads to decide who's going to deal with my fear. And we're talking about what does it mean for my fear to be the vehicle that takes me to him, to fearing the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, Solomon is saying here. So fear is not the problem. But it drives us somewhere and to someone. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, it would be silly. It would be very unwise for me to imagine that I could explain to you over the next few minutes everything that the fear of the Lord is. I'm going to try to take a little bit of a stab at it to help us. Um, When you think about the word fear, you know, we, we probably have mostly negative connotations, Right? When I think about fear, I think of uh, consequences. I think of uh, judgment. I think of wrath. I think of loss of relationship, right? Those are, the, those are the negative things that my mind goes to when I think about fearing the Lord. But let me just say something before I, I say anything more about the fear of the Lord. For those of you who are in Christ, um, there is no more fear of any of those things. He has no more wrath for you. He has no more condemnation for you. He has no more judgment for you. You do not have to fear the loss of relationship. 
Romans 8 says that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. So if I don't have to be afraid of God in that way, afraid of losing their relationship, afraid of his wrath, afraid of his judgment, what is a positive way to think about fearing the Lord? Because it's, it's referred to in a positive way here. I think it may help us to consider that if we look at our fears and we pull them up by their roots, like I've been talking about with all those other things, what we'll find is that oftentimes what's at the root of our fears is our hope. That hope is at the root of our fears. There's a new... Uh, you guys familiar with the soccer club Barcelona Messi, right? Barcelona is opening an academy in Nashville. And they've just announced that to all the soccer parents in Nashville. And so the piranha feeding frenzy of youth sports has begun. So I went to the fear meeting, <laughs> the informational meeting about this. And it was crazy. I mean, when I first saw it, um, I initially started thinking, which my son is in a great, he plays, both my older boys play in a great soccer club. They've got great coaches. But immediately the idea that that was available, fear. So I go to the meeting and I get, what, a little more afraid? Then I see the sticker price and then I get really afraid. <laughs> well, if, I'm, if I slow down enough and I actually think about my fear, what's underneath my fears is I don't, I want the best for my kids. I hope that, that everything that is possible for them will be possible for them, and I want to make that happen. Do you understand? Do you see right there that, that if I'm not slowing down to really understand that my fear really underneath my fear, it's hope. I hope my kids turn out well. I hope things go well for them. I hope they have all the dreams and opportunities they have. Hope is what's underneath my fear, but if, if I don't understand that, then I will just act on my fear, and I may be a fool. If you pull up your fears, you'll realize that hope and fear, they're two sides of the same coin. Whatever I'm afraid of and where I'm taking my fear is where my hope is. My hope is in Barcelona. Psalm 33, 18. This is a succinct verse that, that shows us this concept right together. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, right? Fear the Lord's beginning of wisdom. On those who hope in his unfailing love. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love. If the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord... And fearing him is hoping in his unfailing love, then the beginning of wisdom is hoping in his unfailing love. You see it? You see the progression? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and fearing him is hoping in his unfailing love. Then the beginning of wisdom, the very start point, the genesis of it, is hoping in his unfailing love. 
And what does Scripture say about hope? Hope is not like wishful thinking or like, gosh, I hope it works out. Hope is certainty, confidence in His unfailing love. Psalm 134, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I've already got the forgiveness, which means I've already sinned, which means there is no more wrath. There is no more condemnation. I'm not afraid of you in that way. I'm fearing you because of your great love for me. To fear the Lord in this way, in this positive way, is to not make light of God's great love for you. That's what it means to fear the Lord. To not make light of God's grace and his forgiveness. It's the fear that comes from dishonoring the deep grace and love of God. And it's a desire to please. Not because if I do that, I will get love, but because I've already got it. I'm not fearing his wrath anymore. I'm fearing his love. Because when we look at Jesus, we realize this. He won't stop at anything to love me. It's a jealous love. It's a consuming fire. Are you afraid of it? Do you feel the weight of it, the glory of it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All of this is pointing us to this essential truth, which means this, that wisdom isn't about knowledge. It's about relationship to Him. Our understanding, our prudence, our insight, our knowing what's right and just and fair, our discernment and our discretion, it comes through relationship with Him who is our wisdom. I don't run away from Him in fear anymore like Adam did. I run towards Him now and cry, Abba, Father, I don't know. I lack, I'm afraid. All right, come here, child, climb up. Because with me, you've got everything that comes with me. And that's the wisdom that created the world, that spoke the world into existence. Some of you know that these are two of my favorite books in the Bible, so I've got way too much to say this morning. Uh, the opposite of fearing the Lord, I'll just say something briefly about that, is, is to be a fool. The very end, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We'll have a lot more time to talk about what does it mean to be a fool over the summer. But it is the opposite of wisdom. And the largest single common denominator in Proverbs and the wisdom literature uh, that describes a fool is someone who's wise in their own eyes. It says that a fool is somebody who's wise in their own eyes. And what that means is basically uh, they're not fearing the Lord. Uh, they're in a relationship to listening only to their own voice. Only to the voice that supports what I already think and what I already fool. It says here that fools despise wisdom. Just think about that for a second. 
I don't ever despise wisdom. Like, I don't despise instruction. When someone gives me wisdom or someone gives me instruction, what I'm really despising is that I'm despising the person giving it, right? It's not just what they're saying. I'm, I'm despising them. My conflict is not fundamentally with the things that they're saying. It's with being under their authority. Proverbs is embodying a saying, come and fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Because if not, the other road is to be a fool. It's to be wise in your own eyes. The beginning of wisdom is this relationship of fearing the Lord. So I've got a video for us, uh, something that may help physically illustrate this. Um, an example uh, with my own son of what it looks like uh, to actually begin to fear the Lord and learn how to walk uh, in the way of wisdom. Hey, wide legs, big turns. Big turns toward This way, bud. This way. Hey, not all the way across up here where it's tight. Okay, this way. Back across. Back across. Which side you going? Pick your side. <laughs> Big turn, hey, wide legs. Big turns, let's slow down. I wanna go a little more side to side. Side to side. This way. This way, this way. Randy reminded me of that this week. What am I doing there as his father? Um, because the goal of that is really, um, my, my hope for Ford is, is that there'll come a time where you can use the freedom and, and navigate your way down the mountain without me holding on to you that closely with those reins. I want you to have wisdom about don't run into the, the chairlift pole. <laughs> and I don't know if you heard the very beginning, the first words out of his mouth, he looked to the side and he saw his brothers who aren't on the reins and he said, see you later. Because <laughs> what does Ford believe? Ford believes, I don't, I don't, I already know what I need to do here, right? My young son might be a little foolish. It's a good picture, because um, did you hear how much I was talking? Like, do you believe that the Lord is, is that near to you, that he is, he's that close to you, that he's constantly speaking to you? And that your fear, if you would just acknowledge in my fear, Lord, you're here with me, and that you have words for me, uh, that you want to speak me, that you want to you direct me, that you're still going to give me freedom, <laughs> you know, pick, pick a lane, but I, I'm right there with you. Because uh, unlike the video, on some levels, the truth is, is we never are ever to graduate from the reins. 
Like, he, he's given us his Holy Spirit, and he says, I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay on the reins. And fearing me and learning to fear the things that you're, you're called to fear and listening to my voice, this is a part of the dance of becoming wise. And so that's, that's the last thing I'm going to say is, is wisdom's rhythms, right? We've talked about the need for wisdom. We've talked about fear being the vehicle. We've talked about what it means to actually maybe fear the Lord and begin that process. Wisdom's rhythms there, uh, I just wrote down listen and add. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. Isn't that interesting? Let the wise, so you're already wise. Let the discerning get. Let the wise listen and add. Wise people will know something. And, and I would say this, the wisest people I have ever known, one of whom sitting in this room, they're, they're constantly students of what the Lord is teaching them. They never got off the reins. They never arrived. They never graduated to the place where they're like, oh, now I'm wise. And that's my prayer for us this summer is, is that we would grow in our capacity. I don't know if you saw it there with Ford. Ford's always doing this. Oh, let's go this way. Oh, let's go this way. And what am I doing? I'm talking. And he's got the giant helmet on, so he can't hear me. <laughs> that you grow, that I grow in my capacity to listen to the Lord, that I grow in my capacity to admit I'm actually really afraid, that I grow in my capacity to say, this is where I lack and this is where I need. And that those fears aren't something that I have to deal with alone, but I can actually drive me to deeper relationship with him. that we would never stop being people who are listening, that we would never stop people being people who are adding. I just encourage you, a lot of people say this to me, I want a mentor, and I would tell you, you have one. You have one in the Lord. You have a mentor who's always free to meet. His schedule's never full, and he will always make time for you. So, would you listen? Would you add? Would you, would you sign up this summer? Go on the journey of, you know, I didn't even encourage you with Proverbs. It's 31 chapters. You can read a chapter a day. Don't try to dissolve a chapter a day. Read a proverb, and when you get stuck on a proverb, sit with that the whole day and say, Lord, teach me. Take whatever he's showing you. Write it down. Share it with somebody else. Then go back to it and study it again. Many of the things that I'll say this summer are things that I've come back to and had to come back to and had to come back to, and I still have so much to learn about. Because when we're coming to his word, what we're doing is, is we're coming to him. Like 1 Corinthians 1 says that we come to Christ, who is the wisdom of God. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to install some elders. Lord Jesus, thank you. For this invitation, I pray that we would see it as such, this great invitation um, to wisdom and to yourself. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we be honest about the places that we lack. Uh, it's so easy to try to deal with our fear, with our bravado, and our own uh, self-effort, Lord. And this just flies in the face of that, that we'd embrace the places that we lack and that we're afraid, and that we would 
See those as gateways, that fear as a gateway to you and to deeper relationship with you and the fear of the Lord. Uh, and Lord, I pray uh, that as uh, you bring us to yourself uh, through this wisdom literature, Lord, uh, you would deepen our insight and our understanding uh, what is right and what is just, that you'd make us into people of discernment, that we would reflect you to the world around us. Uh, we can do none of that without you. So we listen to you, we follow you. We ask this in your name. Amen.